Coming up next, it's the Magnuson Park Gallery Exchange, an opportunity to hear directly from artists and those in the arts community. Learn what really inspires and motivates the creative work shown in the Magnuson Park Gallery. Hi everyone, this is Terrico Summers with Magnuson Park Gallery. We are getting ready for our next solo show by artist J.W. Harrington. The show is called The Impossibility of Knowing. It is a very thought-provoking collection of work that is a mixture of colorful abstract paintings and some portraiture that leads the imagination to wander. I am sitting here with artist J.W. Harrington in hopes to unlock some of the secrets of the impossibility of knowing. We are so excited to have you here today, and we're especially excited to see all your work in our gallery. Well, thanks for having me over, Terrico. Um, Can you start by telling us about the theme of your show, The Impossibility of Knowing, and how you you created it? Okay. Um, well, the title is very deliberate, The Impossibility of Knowing. Um, knowing anything, knowing what a given painting is really about, even though these are by and large figurative paintings, uh, a few are, are abs- totally abstract. And um, the impossibility of the figures, when there are human figures in the paintings, as most have, what the figures are thinking or seeing. I can tell you a bit about the basic, basically what's going on in each painting visually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so each the the the, the this series um, is coherent in that they're all the same size. They're all twenty four inches by eighteen inches. Uh, almost all are in um, uh, portrait orientation. A very few are landscape orientation, and in each case, there's a um, a, a dominant figure, usually human or humans, plural, but it can be a totally non-representational abstraction um, that is on a fairly basic background in most cases, fairly plain. Then that key figure is mirrored from the other side or from the top or from the bottom, but the outline of that figure is mirrored in black, I think in all cases in black. So that you're seeing a figure, um, a man, a woman, a boy, a face, um, a, a, a swoosh of some sort that is being mirrored in outline. And in some cases, the figure and mirror, like figure and ground almost, but figure and mirror, uh, mirror are interacting f- visually. And in other cases, they're not, but there's this distance between the two. And the question for the viewer is what, is this relationship right? No, it almost looks like um, kind of a alternate universe type of you know, like the shape of the figures on the other side. Mm-hmm. Almost some sometimes they're looking at each other, but you don't know if they can see each other. Precisely, that's those are the kinds of things that are impossible to know. Um, impossible for me to know. I mean, really, mm-hmm. um, um, I just I I put together the composition, um, but I I was I was always looking for compositions. When there are human figures, and as in most of them have human figures, I'm looking for a composition that will allow a viewer to think that maybe the figure that we see clearly is seeing this mirror image. Maybe the figure is actually wondering about something in the past or in the future, and that's why the image is mirrored and just outlined in black because it's not 
really there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then is the figure really there? We're talking about a painting. Mm-hmm. So what's really there anyway? Um, so my other question was like, I, um, you have, you've kind of numbered all the paintings. There's no real titles except for a couple of them. And it's always impossibility of knowing, you know, number nine. And then there's a series where there are, um, there's a figure of a smaller, I want to say boy or child. And um, there's several of them. And I was just wondering if there was kind of any kind of relationship between them or if it's just, um, I, I just didn't know. I mean, for me, I'm I'm guessing that there's a relationship. And so I just wanted to find out from the actual artist if there was my little, you know, way of knowing. <laughs> uh, right. The, um, the figures are all taken from... From images, not from life, mm-hmm. uh, but from photographs of various sorts. And um, I oh, think I all I'll say is that a number of the human figures are based on photographs of family members of mine. Oh, okay. And a number are not, oh. however. <laughs> okay, that makes sense now. Um, also, I, I just uh, was looking through your bio, and um, I believe that you're a social science professor at UW, and... I wanted to figure out how you got started on your journey to create art. The longer, the long ago answer, I suppose. I mean, there's always some subconscious something. But from the time I started college, really, um, I just, I just wanted to stare at paintings, um, and I would go to museums. Um, I was in college in metropolitan Boston. Um, and so there are lots of museums to go to. Um, I wasn't majoring in art. Um, I, a formative um, moment or year was a year-long um, introduction to kind of the history of primarily European and American um, fine art of all types, uh, visual arts. Um, but painting, of course, was a major part of that. And that gave me a, a little bit of a sense and background in art history of those worlds. And then I would just go to museums and just, I was amazed at, like mo- many, many people, I was amazed by the, um, um, the, the ability of some painters to render um, people, figures, places, etc. So, so lifelike. But I was also totally taken with, with abstraction with non-representational, non-objective abstraction. Um, and it I'm trying to remember when I realized, I think it wasn't until I started painting, no, I think it was before, that I said to myself, you know why I like abstraction? One key reason is I, as a viewer, have the power to decide what it is I'm seeing mm. and to some extent to, to, let, to figure out how I want it to affect me. And I find that really powerful as a viewer. I'm probably a bit of a control freak, and I like being able to control my sense of what I'm getting from something and then to go back to it again and again and get different senses of it, uh, perhaps. So I really, really, really love visual abstraction. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps, actually, to be honest, more than abstraction, what I would call abstraction in music, totally non-melodic music doesn't do a lot for me. Um, I need to hang myself, my hat, on some kind of a, of a, a bit of a melody or harmony or something. But a painting that has nothing that you can recognize from the world we generally inhabit is just really exciting to me. 
Well, I know you talked about abstraction. Um, what are some themes that are important to you? Boy, the the one that comes immediately pops immediately to mind is the, the, that a viewer of the exhibit will will immediately notice is that um, I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure all of the human figures in these paintings and in most of my paintings um, are brown, brown skinned, um, and in fact most are to my thinking African American, um, and I do that. Uh, I'm African American. And I do that really, to be honest, not so much for self-representation and self-reflection, but because there are relatively few brown faces and bodies on walls of galleries. Right. I think you said, and um, one of your quotes is, one of my goals is to bring a little bit more color to people's collections by focusing on portraiture of African Americans, which I think is a, was wonderful because, I mean, I'm sure through going through all the historical, you know, the galleries and everything, it would just be kind of, it would be just nice to see more diversity in that area. Exactly. And you're a painter, so you can do it. Yeah, exactly. I've got that power now. Um, JW, so when did you actually start becoming a fine artist? It's a very exciting uh, moment, as you might imagine. Um, I I had a, a sabbatical leave from university in um, the 2014-15 academic year. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you use those for exploring new things, for doing, finishing some research, coming up with new teaching ideas, but also regeneration. And I felt that I needed to re, regenerate, to, 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 to add something to my life, to my professional life. Mm -hmm. And I tried a few different things. It's kind of it's, it's funny. I, I just I I went on I went on a three week trip. Before I left, I made an arrangement to start start taking golf lessons. <laughs> I never played golf before, and to take more voice lessons because I've taken uh, voice lessons for for years. But it had been at this point probably eight ten years since I'd last taken a voice lesson, and um, and then I contacted. I also contacted my friend Sandy Brissell Miller who actually has a studio here in Madison Park building. And um, she had recently retired as a teacher of art in public schools in Seattle. And I said, Sandy, would you be willing to just let me come over and you could just show me just a little bit about how to apply paint? I mean, just what is it like to paint? I, I had never touched a brush before. In fact, I have a um, – there's a, a guy, a little kid who is now 13, but years ago, um, he and I and his dad would go to the Seattle Children's Museum, and we did some finger painting when he was about three years old. And I loved it, but I – you know, I, I actually, I said to myself at that point, to be honest, at that point, um, this is uh, 10 years ago, at least no, – more than 10 years ago. But anyway, I said to myself at that point, you should take up a brush at some point. I filed. I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll do that." But then, um, then I, I went to Sandy's studio in probably mid late September of 2014, and it was I was hooked. I was just hooked, and I and we agreed that what we then should work on is um, rendering skills, drawing skills. But that I was going to be painting. I said, "You, you don't have to. I'm going to. I'm going to be painting," and um, and that was that was the beginning. And what, what appeals to me 
And I bet that many of the people, many people who might listen to this have painted Mm -hmm. um, using some medium or another. And so you know this. But what appeals to me so much is, is creating something that is visible and physical and tangible um, as opposed to academic papers or as opposed to teaching students, which is wonderful. And the student is tangible, but you know it's, it's a very different thing. Something is there that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And using opaque media like oil and acrylic, you can paint over stuff. Mm-hmm. Let this be a life lesson. I assume that almost anyone listening to this already has learned this, but you can start over. And painting, using an opaque medium at least, is this wonderful way of learning and reinforcing that, oh, I don't like that. This is a dead end. This, the, I can't do anything more with this. Let it dry. You can paint over it. I, yeah, I, I definitely need to learn that fact. <laughs> JW, I, I know you're a professor. Did some of your um, teachings, does that uh, reflect in the way you paint or some of the ideology behind that? I think my choices of composition and subject matter really reflect my study of painting, of visual art, uh, which again has not been an academic study, but I've been really staring at it and reading about it for decades. Um, And so that's what influences what I paint and my love of abstraction, for example. The thing that my years of teaching and writing academic articles does that I can point to is is in process. Um, I think of my studio as a lab, and I was not a lab scientist, but I think of my studio as a lab, and I take careful notes after I spend about, um, whatever, let's say two hours in the studio. Um, one benefit of the studio being at home is I can then go to my study, and I take careful notes about just what I did and why I did it and what was the problem, et cetera. And in oil painting, this is especially useful because there's a sequence of how you apply oil paint in layers. And I'm sure I could remember what I last did, but I've got it in writing. Um, and so I review these notes. I, 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 I print them and bind them because I'm that old school. Um, and I review these notes as I'm thinking about a new painting, especially a new series. What can I learn from what I've done before? Uh, what worked? What did I make an aside in writing? I made me some aside. I want to try doing it this way at some point. And so I, so it's really the kind of a, of that lab experience that comes through. I also wanted to find out what's next. Um, what are you planning on doing in the future, like after this show? Hey, well, I've got several. July and August are amazingly um, busy months for shows. I've got this show, solo show. Um, I've got a solo show that I'll be, I'll be hanging myself, actually, in a wonderful space in Tacoma, uh, where I live, um, um, on Friday. I'll spend all day Friday hanging this show. It's something called the T- Tacoma Center Gallery. It's basically in downtown uh, Tacoma. Um, and which will be, that title is a very different kind of thing, Portraits and Portals. Okay. Um, what portraits and portals reveal and conceal about the subject or the insides or the interiors, et cetera. Um, and I've got um, uh, two pieces in a show um, at the Bainbridge Island Museum of Art 
which is a wonderful museum. Probably many listeners have been to it. If you have not, it's a, it's a quick walk from the ferry terminal if you're coming from, let's say, Seattle. <clears throat> and um, it's a gorgeous space, a kind of a jewel of a space. It's not large, but it's not tiny. It doesn't feel tiny either. Um, and they're, they're giving over all of the gallery space to a jury show of regional artists. Um, and actually, the two pieces that will be of mine that will be there are from this Impossibility of Knowing series. And um, then I've got pieces um, in actually also from this series <laughs> in, in the um, Tacoma Community College Gallery and the Lenore Filler Gallery at uh, South Puget Sound College. So I'm going to give myself these two months to just kind of go to these places and go to receptions and talk them up, et cetera. But then I do have um, something exciting to be working on. I'm an artist affiliated with the Ryan James Fine Arts Gallery in Kirkland. Ryan's um, shop has a, a art rental program. Um, and um, I've been asked to, I've been a part of it, but I've been asked to supply a large number of paintings for some rentals oh, next year. So you, you can rent a painting? From, through Ryan James. Okay. And in okay. fact, if anyone wants to rent <laughs> one of the paintings you see, uh, I would probably go through Ryan James and have him arrange and that. Is it just for a, like a couple months or a year? Or? Uh, the, way, the way Ryan James does it is I think it's, uh, it certainly is a multi-month arrangement and there's a charge per month mm-hmm. and per size of painting. Um, and, um, but he, he, the need, he has a need for some large paintings. Mm-hmm. Well, my studio is small. And um, the largest paintings I've done are um, three feet by four feet. And as I said, the ones in this show are basically one and a half foot by, by two feet. And uh, so I've got to come up with space <laughs> to to produce and ideas that are worthy of a large canvas or a large panel. Any concept, any composition has a certain it gains a certain amount of power from being large, mm-hmm. but I have to admit I feel if you're going to use up a whole lot of space, you need to really have something to say, and it doesn't have to be literal. It could be totally abstract, but your abstraction needs to feed people in in ways that they may or may not recognize already that they need to be fed. Right. No, definitely. And when you were mentioning your um, pieces are going to be at other galleries, how many um, pieces will be in um, our gallery for the show? 21. 21 pieces. pieces. Okay. I've done 37 and some have sold, thank heavens. Um, and then there's some of these other uh, venues. Thank you, JW, for coming in to talk to us about your show. Thanks very much. If listeners want a sneak peek of some of the works from The Impossibility of Knowing, please go to JW's website at jwharrington.com. You really can't miss this incredible show. The Impossibility of Knowing will be on display at Magnuson Park Gallery from Thursday, July 6th until Saturday, August 12th. We are open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from noon to 3. If you want to ask JW any questions about the show, please come to his closing reception at the gallery on Saturday, August 12th from 2 to 5. Stop to meet JW, view his art, and circulate with some wine and cheese. Hope to see you there.
You've been listening to the Magnuson Park Gallery Exchange, a periodic series focused on the artists and the arts community showing at the Magnuson Park Gallery.